Can I try it really quick? except I was the only one there under 25. So everyone was sitting at the bar drinking, and I'm sitting there going like, hmm, would it be, like, okay for me to ask for a drink, or would it not be, because I'm not over 21, so. Ah, you lawbreaker. <laughs> yeah. They're also, like, eating edibles and stuff, and I'm like, eh, should I, is this, like, the type of crowd I should be, like, hanging out with in, at, like, a screening, you know? I, I wasn't sure, like, what should I do in that case? Because I didn't know the people all that well. They're like more coworkers than friends. So should I be like getting high and drinking with them or not? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do drugs. Welcome to the Horror Explorer podcast. This is a podcast determined to turn people on to horror movies they might have never seen or even heard of, where you try to focus on VHS era horror that most younger horror fans aren't aware of, and some of the more obscure or unusual horror that's come out since. So, I'm Dave. I've been here once or twice. And with me, I have Eric. Hello. And Tim. Greetings. So, do you guys want to just dive right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds okay. good. Yeah, so every week, Mike makes us watch an older or more obscure movie that most people our age like haven't heard of, and it's usually something he likes. And the whole point of this podcast is to make younger horror fans aware that the best new horror movie they see this year could be a movie from 30 years ago that they didn't even know existed. And this week is a little different, because with a fresh batch of co-hosts and panelists, we're starting a new episode format called Horror Explorer Flashback, in which we're going to be revisiting films we've covered earlier on the podcast, except with new sets of eyes. And this week, we're revisiting Night of the Demon from 1980. And uh, I had heard of this movie only because uh, it was one of the video nasties uh, in the early 80s. Uh, the British Film Board made a list, and this film was on it, and I uh, have a YouTube channel that I watch where he talks about like the most disturbing movies, and then he did a series on the video nasties, and I... I usually had it on while I was doing other things, but when he said Bigfoot rape, I turned around and <laughs> paid attention. And I, so I'd heard of it, but had never seen it. Uh, I had neither seen nor heard of it, but I could tell within about 30 seconds of starting the movie when I realized that this movie's entire budget was about $17 that I was going to love it. <laughs> okay, awesome. I had actually seen it a few times before we did our first podcast episode on it. Mike and the other podcast guys and I, we watched it independently outside of the context of the podcast. And I've had the same opinion of it ever since I've seen it. So, And at this point, I've seen it like, what, five or six times now? So rewatching it now, I was kind of just in awe, in constant awe of how this movie is. So what this movie is about is it's about a group of people that go into the woods and are attacked and are sexually violated 
by a Bigfoot creature. There's not really anybody of note in any department, cast or crew. Everyone who contributed to this movie kind of faded away into obscurity, for better or for worse, is for you to decide. And Mike actually spent a lot of time trying to find this guy named Rob Camp, who plays a motorcyclist in this film, who gets his dick ripped off when he stops to pee in some bushes. So Mike tried to ask this guy whether his penis was a prosthetic or his actual penis, because we see a penis in this film, but it's a really, really good fake penis, or it's his actual penis. I'm gonna One go of the with, great mysteries of life. I'm going to go yeah. with actual. I don't think they had the budget for a prosthetic that nice. <laughs> true. That's a good true. point, yeah. So we'll see what they have to say about Night of the Demon right after this. If you'd like to contact us here at the Horror Explorer Podcast, you can reach us via email at horrorexplorerpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can interact with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorexplorer. And you can follow us on our Twitter account at horrorexplorer. Okay, now we'll see what these guys thought of Night of the Demon, starting with myself. So, I think the best way to start off this movie would be talking about how sloppy it is in pretty much every way. For example, the opening. We open on a close-up of an IV with bird noises in the background, and the camera slowly moves downwards and starts the beginning of a zoom-out motion before it cuts. So we don't complete the motion, which feels really awkward. And that's just like a second of editing. It's a second of effort that you have to put in to correct something like that. So the question is, why did they not correct something that looks that sloppy? Well, I think I'm going to be able to give you a lot of insight here because whether you believe me or not, I tried to contact legendary DP John Quick that worked on this movie about his time making it. And I sent him my information if he wanted to send me anything back. And he did. He sent me an unpublished memoir on yellowed paper <laughs> called My Hairy Shame that details his role in the production of Dying of the Demon and his relationship with director Jim Ball as well as other anecdotal stories, uh, anecdotal stories about production. And I'll be referring to it from time to time with specific details that Quick <laughs> recalled in the book. And it turns out that the director was just a drunken idiot. And he just didn't want to do the work. But I'll, no I'll get way. into that later. Yeah. The opening shot is supremely lazy in every way. And we, we have a hospital room that clearly isn't just a spare bedroom in somebody's house. Um, <laughs> with a guy laying in it that has the laziest, most non-functional bandage I've ever seen. <laughs> and actors that are clearly not reading from cue cards with their eyes fixed at a static point off camera. But... Uh, yeah, so right away I was like, okay, I need to force myself to pay attention to this, but um, I think I can pull a lot of enjoyment from just awful crap like this either way. So I try to look at the bite side of it. Yeah, it's very clear that the acting is atrocious right from the get-go because everyone reads their lines as if it were the first time they had ever seen these lines before. And tons of people flub their lines and the takes where the lines are flubbed are just kept in. Yeah, it very much feels like not only did the writer sit down and write the entire movie in like 40 minutes and call it done, but also that every take in the movie was the first take. <laughs> Definitely. And apparently, uh, there's a there's a scene after this that's in a, a classroom uh, where there's, they start his story on why they went to do this. And according to the book, 
Quick first notice that the director had an apparent dislike for uh, actor Michael Cutt, who plays the professor. And I quote, he said to the director, so afterwards, uh, do you want us to shoot coverage on the professor first? And he's like, nah, I don't want him in the shot at all. Just whip pan the shit out of it, and we'll shoot coverage with a few of the students <laughs> later. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, the cinematography in general is just completely lazy and incompetent. Like, they try to shoot fight scenes that are just way too wide, and there's never any tension or drama. No. <laughs> when you when you can tell when the director tries to get artful and do something interesting, and he's just completely misguided in almost every instance. Yeah, so after this opening sequence in the hospital, we're treated to our first murder scene and our first view of Bigfoot's POV, which is odd because... It's made up of an oval in the center where everything else is red aside from the oval. Yeah, monster. I was trying to come up with a theory on how that's evolutionarily advantageous in any way, but uh, I got nothing. <clears throat> yeah. And we're also treated to our first practical effects of the film when a random guy gets his arm ripped off. And the Does gore it... effects actually look pretty good. Does it uh... count as an effect when his arm is clearly just stuffed inside of his shirt? <laughs> well, the, the the gore effect up close actually doesn't look too bad but when they do the wide shot like he said you can see this arm down inside of his shirt and he's holding his other arm across onto his shoulder and it looks like he's holding a steak and it's just hanging there as he's walking. yeah just some meat stuffed in his sleeve yep yeah but something creative that they do do is when he falls over and we get the title the blood pools into the shape of a bigfoot's foot which is okay it's fine it's creative enough at least oh yeah that was actually kind of cool i didn't even notice that yeah i'm gonna try to dwell on whatever positives there are in this film because out of several pages of notes i actually wrote a star next to the bullet points that were positive and throughout the whole film there are six <laughs> well you dug deeper than i did oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, I had to dig real deep so we transition from this murder scene to people walking around a campus of some sort while softcore porn music plays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm i a musician, and this music made me angry. It's so, <laughs> it's so inappropriate for what's going on on top of being lazy bullshit nonsense. This is the kind of music I would expect to hear if I was in an elevator on the set of a game show. <laughs> and I don't know why that's supposed to make us feel like we're walking around on a college, but my secret theory with the music and sound design throughout this whole movie, whoever did the music clearly hates the director and the actor and everyone else involved and is doing his best to sabotage the project. So from that standpoint, he did a great job. Yeah, according to the book, they did have a contentious relationship. And not only is this music totally inconsistent and completely inappropriate, as is the music for every single moment throughout this film, but it's also annoying. Because it's just the same thing repeated over and over and over. And also we're introduced to the amount of filler and how little editing they did throughout this film. Because every shot feels like it goes on for forever. Maybe this is just because I've seen this movie so many times before, but did it feel like that to you guys? that every single shot lasted way too long. Yeah. It did, yeah. And there's very obviously an effort to compensate for all the effort that the actors weren't putting in. I mean, I feel like the editor is the only one that's really trying to just pack 
enough content in here to have a film. And um, the there's one shot in particular that we'll get to a little bit later that, God, it just was so long. <laughs> Throughout this film, the structure of this film is a group of college students follow their professor into the woods to go research Bigfoot. And every once in a while, the professor sits down and talks about a Bigfoot murder story. And now we get the first of our Bigfoot murder stories. And it's when a girl is in a van with her boyfriend having sex. Yeah, she's described as a young girl. And then we see her and she's obviously like 44 years old. (laughs) She's a cheap porn star. She's the one they could get for cheap, Tim. Free, yeah. (laughs) And her acting is... Oh, amazing. Magnifique. Oh, yes. What's specifically magnificent about her acting is that she makes sex noises while her boyfriend gets killed. So I'm questioning if it turns her on that her boyfriend is dying. My theory about that is packaged neatly with my theory that everything in this movie is just one take. I think that she was actually kind of trying to scream, but maybe somebody screwed up the audio or it just wasn't usable. And they obviously can't do it again, so they just take her sex noises and dub them over the screaming and call it a day. (laughs) But this is the scene that goes on so long, it cuts back and forth between her and her boyfriend crawling, not sliding or falling, but crawling down the windshield of the van back and forth like 18 fucking times. And every time I think, okay, the shot is ending now, like the movie is moving on, nope, six more shots back and forth of guy on the windshield and the girl moaning. And we're slowly zooming in throughout the whole time. That's the slowest zoom possible. Until we're in her eyeball, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're actually inside her eye. That was this Hitchcock shot. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think so. Anyway, so this group of people is motivated to go into the woods to capture Bigfoot or to research Bigfoot or whatever because one of the girls, her father, was killed by Bigfoot. So they're on a boat. And we get one of the best lines of dialogue I've ever heard in a film where the girl goes, oh, our camp should be right across there, right across the lake, because that's where my father was killed in a very happy tone. Yes. Yeah. Totally nonchalant about it. And I always laugh at that. Just everything about the performances in this movie, they fail in every way possible. Well, not only that, but in this shot, they do an establishing shot of the boat from the back of the boat. And so you can see the front and that there's nobody there. And then they do a wide shot and then the boat is full from begin to from back to front. And so that oh. first shot makes no sense. Yeah, that's true. There are a wide variety of continuity errors in this. Oh, yeah. And then the the first and pretty much only thing I noticed about this group of characters is that they seem like they're a group of superheroes, but their only power is having unforgivable haircuts. well it is 1980 after all yeah but even by that standard they're pretty bad (laughs) speaking of pretty bad for 1980 one of the women in the group says who wants to dance and then all the guys in the group yell at her and say hey the only reason we brought you along is so you can cook and scrub so do your job and i'm like wow (laughs) i guess at least they're honest about it yeah it's a classic 1980 and the next thing, you know, she's going to want to be put, picking up cutlery off the ground all by herself. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, throwback to the hole in which women are not allowed to pick up spoons off the ground by themselves. And uh, referring to the scene, they get there and there's like they say, we're going to set up camp. 
and then the next they, they cut and then boom, all the, t- the tents are set up and uh, discussing how to edit the scene or the scene transition. The director, uh, again, according to the book, said, uh, just jump cut to the camp already set up. Jesus, why are you people so obsessed with showing every little thing? Everyone knows how to set up a tent. We ain't making a fucking instructional film. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of knowing everything, they interview some random guy about Bigfoot and he goes off with a gun. And one of the students, who is apparently the master of hunting, says, this guy was not going hunting. He needs more than that to hunt. And my thoughts are, how the fuck would you know that, random guy? He had a gun. Yeah, he's, he sets off to hunt after pointing his shotgun directly in the face of one of the girls for a solid five seconds. <laughs> awesome gun discipline. Yeah, and I think our discussion of this movie, it's kind of meandering a bit. And I think that's because the structure of this movie is so odd. We should take a moment to just talk about that for a little bit. Because things kind of happen or don't happen when the professor is just talking to his students. More than often than not, things are not happening and nothing is progressing during these talks. And then we're given a tiny bit of action every now and then. And this action is meant to keep the audience awake. Well, wa- watching this movie, it was like uh, the whenever he would sit down to talk about the killings, it was like a Family Guy cutaway. Like, uh, remember that time that that guy got his dick ripped off by Bigfoot? And then we're going to go watch that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I-, I will say that the first little break for action, um, shortly after they leave camp, I'll let Dave set it up. But that was the first moment of the movie for me where I realized it would have some redeeming qualities. And it's at this first scene when a motorcyclist is said that to have gone missing there. And we get a few long shots of the motorcyclist like driving through terrain, then he steps off of his motorbike and enters some bushes to urinate. And predictably, a giant (laughs) furry, badly made up hand. Just grabs that thing and just swings him around by it, presumably rips it off. Yeah. It's funny because now whenever I see a movie where a character approaches bushes for whatever reason, I'm like, man, I can't wait for them to get their dick ripped off. I've seen this movie so many times. (laughs) It has become an expectation of mine for people to get their dick ripped off when they go into the woods. It almost never happens. Yeah, it almost never happens. You never know. It'll be a surprise. It's never a surprise when it happens, though. (laughs) You forgot about the sleeping bag finisher, though. That was one of my favorite parts. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so there's a guy just on the ground asleep in a sleeping bag, minding his own business. And then he comically gets dragged out of the frame. And then we cut to Bigfoot swinging this guy around over his head in the sleeping bag like a Mortal Kombat finisher. Swings him around about 15 times and then finally just hucks him onto a tree branch impales him and he hangs there bleeding out and man i was eating at the time and i like choke left food all over myself and then i had to go clean it up so i missed like the two minutes after that but uh uh, i loved it it was so that was one of the shining beacons of sincerity in this movie well for me it was just i think one of the friday the 13th movies maybe it was jason x did the same thing where a Jason picks up a person in a sleeping bag and swings them over his head before, like, throwing them into the fire or something. Well, I've seen some of the Jason movies, but that doesn't sound familiar. Maybe I haven't seen that one. 
I love Friday the 13th. I've seen the movies countless times. I'm the hugest fanboy you'll ever meet. But I got to admit, Jason's got nothing on Bigfoot in this movie. Because <laughs> the, the kills you're talking about, there's one in the seventh movie where he picks a girl up in a sleeping bag. And he swings her um, once, hits her really hard against a tree, and drops her. And then in the Jason X, there's uh, two like uh, holographic teenagers. And they puts them in sleeping bags. And then they cut back, and he's got one on the ground in the sleeping bag and he's beating her with the other one. Uh, but there's no, this, he, <laughs> he went full airplane spin on this guy in the sleeping bag and just chucked it. It was, it was impressive. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is the only moment in the movie that was, I wasn't taken aback by this. I just sat there absorbing it. I was like, man, I didn't think the kills were that creative. I don't know about you guys. Like another, only another a couple kill. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But what do you guys think about the cheerleader kill or the Girl Scout kill? The two lesbian Girl Scouts who go out into the woods to fuck and then they're killed by Bigfoot. Yeah, well, after I got over being angry at this girl's church bell-bottom pants, like, they're so ridiculous. I I couldn't even figure out how he was killing them. Like, I guess they had kitchen knives for some reason because you go into the woods with a kitchen knife and he just, like grabs their wrists and makes them stab each other and they make no apparent attempt to resist and the knife comes within like six inches of girl's chest but doesn't touch her but she squirts blood anyway so i think he was just psychically killing them i don't know what was going on there yeah i think so as well that's the only explanation the only take i had on that scene that you didn't already mention because you're right is super confusing is this afterward? Uh, the guy's telling the story as if the monster did it. Now, if the setup is two Girl Scouts went into the woods and died, and they were stabbed to death with a knife, and they they died, and no one ever was there to witness it, how does he know it was the Bigfoot? I think you're asking too many questions. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking too hard about this. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, but something else important is we cut from these murder scenes to just talking scenes, and all of these dialogue scenes are completely dead. There's nothing interesting whatsoever. You could make an argument that some of the kills are creative, but with these dialogue scenes, are there any redeeming qualities? No. Nope. I don't even remember. I, I do remember one of them between two of the flashbacks because the motorcycle flashback goes on for so long that I forgot it was a flashback until it ended. <laughs> and then the one of the seven mustached guys that was telling the story, it comes back to him only long enough for him to say... And then this other thing happened with the Girl Scouts, and then it's just another flashback. <laughs> and that's that's like the deepest line of dialogue in the whole thing, is just him and, transitioning to a different story. And some of the dialogue doesn't even make sense. Uh, when he's in the cabin, he, he goes, uh, when they're camping on the guy's lawn. By the way, these people are very, very liberal with other people's property. Um, they In the middle of the night, the guy goes and tries to give him whiskey and, and uh, cigarettes or whatever. And he invites him in, and they, they're drinking. And he's talking about women, and he throws the line out that uh, uh, women uh, women sure do like convenience. And I'm like, I like convenience. Everyone likes convenience. <laughs> like, next year, be telling me they like snuggly blankets and puppy lickings. It's Are you kidding me? Convenience? It yeah. just makes no sense. What a weird stereotype. Also, something really weird that stuck out to me about the dialogue is that at one point they're talking about this woman who lives in the woods who will discuss her origin story in a bit, but people are wondering why she doesn't talk. And one person theorizes that she had a baby and it affected her speech. And I've never had a child or witnessed the birth of a child in real life, 
So I don't know if going mute is a consequence of childbirth, but apparently it is. You could have a stroke. I have. I've, I've never had a baby, but I've delivered many. I used to work in the medical field. And the way the guy says that, <laughs> my immediate reaction, it seemed like he was implying that her muteness was physically caused by having a baby. Yeah. And my immediate yeah. thought was... You know, I've seen this happen in real life. The baby doesn't come out of your mouth. It doesn't pass by or affect your vocal cords in any way. So I'm not sure how that follows. Me neither. Yeah, and the issue here with all these dialogue scenes is the acting is just atrocious. Everyone is super bland. Everyone is super boring. And everyone flubs their lines at least once. Like sometimes they start to say a sentence. And then they'll just, like, switch over to their actual lines. Yeah. And at one point, something that I found funny was one character witnesses, like, Bigfoot doing something and says, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And I had to think to myself, you and me both. I can't believe I'm watching this again. <laughs> well, And what... for a good third of the movie, I'm not even sure what I'm watching because the lighting is probably the worst lighting I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> so much so that I think a better title for the movie would be Silhouettes and Lens Flare, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. Well, if you want a, an idea for the attitude that the director had toward uh both dialogue and just how he put the movie together and his blase attitude, I'm going to go back to the book. Um there's a a line where they're talking again, they're t- the, where they're talking in the cabin with the whiskey and the the guy messes his lineup and then the, they just cut to the guy that he's talking to in the tent telling his buddies exactly what, how he fin- like he finishes the line, uh, in an edit. And, uh, and, and the quote was, uh, Hey, the, the guy fucked his lineup, Jim, you want to reshoot it? And he's like, nah, we'll just cut to the next scene. Nobody's going to notice. I mean, fuck it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least it's... he's open about it. Oh yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If you've looked up this director, I don't think he's done anything ever. Aside from this movie. It was just this. Just this, This yeah. was his magnum opus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, he spent his whole life making Night of the Demon. And it turns out the only reason he did, I believe the memoir mentioned that, mentions this, but it was just to watch Bigfoot fuck someone. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, the I don't care attitude of the director, it's clearly shared by the special effects guy, too. Like when they're outside their tents... And someone sees a footprint of Bigfoot in the mud. And it's clearly a regular, like, size 11 men's boot. (laughs) Obviously. Like, there's no effort taken to make this look Bigfooty in any way. You can almost even see, like, the Columbia trademark or whatever. And they're like, oh, make a plaster cast of this. Very convincing. I think they said incredibly convincing or incredibly clear Bigfoot footprint. Well, you you mentioned how badly the movie looks, and I had originally um, gotten a copy of it from YouTube, and um, I was watching that at first on my uh, uh, VLC, and I'm like, man, and I'm, I'm looking it up on IMDb to look at, at while I'm doing my notes to look at somebody's name, uh, the director or something, and I noticed that it's on Amazon Prime, which I happen to have. So I click on it thinking, wow, I'm going to get a better copy so I can see some of the stuff that's going on. Same exact quality. I mean, I think yeah. it's the same file. I did the same thing. I found it on YouTube, and then I was like, wait, I wonder if it's on Prime. Nope, it's still a garbage pile. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you'd think a better copy would exist for this movie, or a print of this movie would exist somewhere. But apparently not. Apparently this movie doesn't exist 
outside of this copy because it's also supposed to be uh, in 1.85 to 1. That's supposed to be the aspect ratio. And here it's just a square. Uh, 4.3. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Quality-wise, it appears as though it was maybe shot on regular film at some point, but then when the movie was done, they played the VHS on a TV and then filmed the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and did that like three times and then went with that for the final product. Yeah. Okay, so now I think we should talk about the meat of the film, what everyone wants to hear about. And that's, of course, the Bigfoot rape. So our group of plucky heroes show up at this mute woman's house and force her, like they coerce her, like physically, to recount her origin story. Yeah, and the one of the guys has to basically bribe her to open the door, and he gives her something, and I can't tell what he gave her. I thought it was supposed to be like string cheese or something. <laughs> like he's... This 37-year-old woman or whatever needs candy or cheese before she'll open the door. I don't know what the hell that was. Well, oh, make... actually, that was a good moment in the film. Uh, sorry, Eric, one sec. Oh, wait, do you want to go ahead, Eric? No, I think you're getting ready to say what I was going to say. Go for it. Oh, okay. If that was one of the moments I liked in the film because it was reincorporation because they were at this candy store or this general store earlier, and they were like, hey, does this woman ever come by? And they're like, yeah, and she always buys candy. And then they pick up some candy themselves. So they reincorporate it. It actually shows a little bit of planning. Oh, I see. Well, that's why I didn't notice it, because it was like the one thing in the movie that made sense. I had given up on it by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, so the girl tells her origin story. Her origin story is she tried to hook up with this guy, but her father said no boys allowed. So instead she fucks Bigfoot. I, was it really that straightforward because I, I just remember her wandering around in the woods being mad at her dad and then here comes Bigfoot and he just throws himself on this 15 year old and <laughs> I was I was like do I want to back it up and see what I missed and I decided no I don't care yeah it was more that she he did attack her she was screaming and running and he he captures her and throws her on the ground and then proceeds to and and yes it was a Bigfoot rape scene but it looks so bad that it's more like a big dark hairy lump moving backwards and forwards over top of her. I mean, there's a lightning storm going on. They couldn't give us any flashes of lightning yeah. so I could see anything. It's like, this is the time the director decided to show some restraint. And it was like, nah, don't lie. And it. for the, for the first like 20 seconds of the rape, she just kind of lays there and it's almost like, the director is off screen and has to remind her, like, this is a rape. You're supposed to be scared. And she's like, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what she sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And also something interesting is Bigfoot. Like, he has sex with her in the missionary position. I'm like, wow, okay. Okay, Bigfoot. <laughs> he's a he's a sensitive, intimate guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, Bigfoot will like look up and will kind of like get his O face. Like they reuse the same shot twice, <laughs> and I'm like, "Why are you doing this?" Uh, That's how Bigfoots do it. This, this is about when I was done with this movie, so the re finishing it was a more conscious effort for me from here on out. Yeah, understandably so. I like the um, the expositional prayer that the father gives at one point, where he's going to explain everything in this prayer. At least. That's over. Dub, that's dubbed over. What's going on? It's hilarious. Yeah, and he gives her some, I guess, like abortion tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like some abortion medicine. I guess it didn't work. Anyway, so in our climactic scene, not for Bigfoot, but for the narrative, 
we have a group of our protagonists trapped in the Bigfoot's girlfriend's house, and Bigfoot attacks them in a super bizarre fight scene. So what do you guys think about this fight scene? (laughs) Man, I was so over this movie at this point, but the... I guess if nothing else, I'm really reaching for a compliment here, but... I guess I respect that they stuck with it and saw it through to this point. Um, but the if one guy gets punched, Bigfoot like punches through a window and punches a guy's shirt off. <laughs> like this guy's wearing a white t-shirt and then like a green flannel thing over it. And he gets punched in the shoulder and then it immediately cuts to him on the ground and his green shirt is just off. I don't know how that happened, but... I guess that's one of Bigfoot powers is he can just punch your clothing off. And then some guy gets the bright idea to stab Bigfoot with a fire poker, but it's it's not a poker. It's like a coat hanger that's been twisted up, and it's eight inches long. Oh, my and God. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, you've lost me even with your description. <laughs> there, there's a like, moment where he opens up a guy's belly and the guy falls down and then reaches down into the guy's belly to pull out his guts. And it looked like he was reaching into uh, liquefied red jello and pulled out a pork tenderloin. And with the steak early in the movie, I'm almost positive that most of the effects budget was spent at the local grocery store before they filmed this. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I was going with like Bigfoot's a magician. He can pull raw pork out of your pants. (laughs) Yeah. And then he starts swinging around the intestines like he was going to like hit someone with them. I thought that's what he was doing, like he was like a, with a chain, like he was hitting them with the intestines. No, they couldn't even have done that for us. <laughs> anyway, so after that, Bigfoot takes the professor, who's the only surviving member, who's the guy from the hospital earlier, and puts his face on like the stove or something. And instead of just like showing it off camera and having steam rise up or something, we actually see his face like turn super bright red in post. It was like a post-production effect they put on his face to illuminate him, to make him red. I thought this was kind of cool. At at first I thought it was, I thought Bigfoot was like exercising a demon out of this guy or something. (laughs) Because, I mean, when you get burned, you don't typically glow orange and then like white light shoots out of your mouth. That's not normally what happens, but... I guess that was the other $12 of their budget, other than the five for steak and pork. <laughs> and then finally, to conclude, the professor tells his story and says, you got to go kill Bigfoot. And then the doctors walk over with the cop and are like, I guess we have no choice but to call him criminally insane. And I'm like, what evidence do you have for that? <laughs> yeah, the the word criminal usually means there's a crime. I mean, there's dead people, but... They have no anything to suspect this guy. They just throw the word criminal insanity out there. And the doctor that says it is so apathetic. And that's pretty much the last line in the movie, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he delivers the line, he says, I have no choice but to label him criminally insane. But what his tone is really saying is, I'm going home and I don't ever want to talk about this movie again. Well, I like this scene for two reasons. I, I mean, I wouldn't say like. I thought it was funny for two reasons. First of all, when he's talking uh, at, in this scene, his bandage has this little opening at the bottom that keeps opening up as he speaks, and he looks like a Muppet. 
So <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed really hard. And then they don't show his face under the bandages. Like they're doing a dark man thing with his face. And I'm expecting him to like, this is what he did. And like pull the bandages <laughs> off and you get to see the makeup and they just don't. And I, I thought to myself, you know what? Fuck you movie. Fuck you too. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I never thought of that. That would be an interesting thing for the movie to do. However, if you can expect this movie to do something good or to go in a solid direction, you should actually be expecting the opposite. It's my fault, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say the blame is entirely on you. Yeah, I agree. So uh, let's wrap up with final thoughts, I suppose. So, Eric, do you want to bring up anything else and just go through your final thoughts and give us a score out of 10? No, nah, I'm not going to bring up anything else. I think we covered everything I wanted to say, but I will give the review. Uh, this is a terrible movie that fails on every level. Uh, the death scenes are mostly lame with a few bright spots here and there. The Bigfoot costume looks like a retre- rejected creature design from Land of the Lost. It's like they skinned a bunch of Irish setters and glued it to a guy. Uh, the, <laughs> the more salacious moments in the film just make it more disgusting and sleazy, and none of it is sexy. Uh, the acting is atrocious. The editing, sound design, and direction are embarrassingly bad. And quite frankly, I'm insulted at the hubris of whoever released this abortion in the first place. The movie is like if a bunch of dudes went out or people went on a bender in the woods and decided to make a horror flick. Uh, There are so many ideas in this movie that sound like they came at the end of a severely slurred sentence that I can come to no other conclusion. I think the best thing that can be said about this one was said by the director himself at the rap party. And if you'll allow me to quote my Harry Shame one last time, the Sons of Bitches wanted a Bigfoot rape movie, and I gave them art. Shitty, out-of-focus, ridiculous art. And tits. Ridiculous art and tits. Fuck them. And I hope they're happy. I don't think I could put it any better than that. And for any listeners that are interested in reading My Hairy Shame, I regret to tell you that per Mr. Quick's explicit instructions, it was burned after reading. His opus is now forever lost to the world. That, or I made it up, and the director was actually a really nice guy and not a drunken sociopath, whichever you'd prefer. <laughs> so what's your final score out of 10, and would you recommend this? Uh, I would not recommend this, even though it is an experience, and it would get a 2 out of 10. Okay, Tim? My final thoughts mirror Eric's pretty exactly, but... With one caveat, my final score, I'm going to say like a 6 out of 10, even though everything I have to say about this movie, almost everything, is overwhelmingly negative. For me, that's kind of the point. I I have such a love-hate relationship with these low-budget garbage movies. I'm the kind of person that... There's a used bookstore where I live, and once in a while they have these movie packs of 50 5-0 movies for $5, so $0.10 cents a movie, and in most cases you're overpaying. So I think this movie is more in the five cent price range, if that. But I love how campy it is. There's a couple scenes that are just comedic gold because they're so bad and because nobody cares. But I guess I'm kind of a masochist in some ways. So I love crap and I love challenging myself to see if I can get through it. So would I recommend it? Yes, if you're into that, if you like utter, utter garbage and just trying really, really hard to pull something funny or entertaining out of it, then give it a shot. Otherwise, stay away and do something better with your time like heroin. (laughs) Don't do heroin. That's a joke. Don't actually do that. Yeah, Dave. (laughs) Okay. So what I thought of this movie, man, 
Uh, unfortunately, it's interesting revisiting this movie because I can see how my opinion of it changed. But And I think my opinion of future movies that we do on Horror Explorer Flashback will actually change and I'll evaluate them in a new light. However, unfortunately for this movie, my opinion remains exactly the same. I think this movie fails on every level, as Eric said. It is completely boring and devoid of substance, and the cinematography leaves nothing interesting to view and doesn't supplement the work. In fact, every element of this film detracts from every other element of this film, and all of those detract from the script which detracts from every other element as well. The special effects are okay. They're fine. Like, it's clear they put in a tiny, tiny bit of effort into the Bigfoot costume and into the blood effects and into some of the gore. However, that effort is not worth justifying the existence of this film since it fails so completely. And every moment I was watching this movie, I was hoping it would end. And every time I watch this movie, it feels like longer than it used to be. So I would not recommend anyone watch this unless they want to watch the build-up to a Bigfoot rape scene. And even that, I'm sure you can find better Bigfoot rapes on Pornhub. So this is a 1 out of 10 for me. Please do not watch this. Stop complaining about everything. Okay, so that's pretty much it. So does anyone else have anything they want to bring up? before we say goodbye and say what we're doing next week. No, not really. Okay. No. So next week we're doing Terrorvision. So who knows who we're going to have with us. Have either of you guys seen Terrorvision? I have not. Yes, I've seen Terrorvision. Oh, amazing. Okay, great, great. So we'll be hitting that up next week. Okay, see you guys later. See ya. Bye. And we can't put in the drop because Mike's not here.